Welcome to Fast Lane with Sarah Jane, a podcast for women who are on the move, managing life and family. Your host, Sarah Jane, is building a tribe and talking about the things that affect the daily lives of moms. You can expect real conversations about managing chaos, finding ways to take care of mind and body, and stepping outside your comfort zone on the way to living your best life. Hold on for a wild ride. Now, let's get started. So today I'm speaking with a local, a local to me author, Sarah Boudry. Sarah, thank you for joining me today. Yes, I was really glad that you asked me to be here. This is, I'm looking forward to it. So the funny thing is, is that Sarah's book has been out for five years. And I remember it was around town. um, It was being sold around town and I never read the book. And I always looked at the book and thought about the book. And for whatever reason, about two weeks ago, I, I was like, the library is open. I'm going to go get that book and I'm going to read it. And so there we go. So I read, I was reading the book and then I asked her if she would pop on because I found the book interesting in many aspects. So before I say what I found interesting, Sarah, will you tell, tell us the name of the book and what your inspiration for that was? Sure. So words of wisdom from the wise old owls of North Dakota. And so that popped in my head. I think it was the spring of 2014. And I got up in the middle of the night and actually wrote it down so I could remember it in the morning. Um, But I thought about doing a book like this for a few years. And the book is basically a compilation. So short stories, poems, little tidbits of advice from senior citizens all across the state of North Dakota. And so I, I thought about doing it for a couple of years. And like I said, that title came to me in the middle of the night. Um, I wrote it down and I thought, instead of always thinking about doing it, like, just do it, you know, do it already. But I, I have to say the main inspiration was my grandma. So I was one of those kids lucky enough to have an awesome grandma. We actually called her Granny, Granny Clara. And she had a house in the same yard as our farmyard. So right across, you know, right across the yard. So we spent a lot of time with her. And I guess what was kind of a little wake up call for me was when I was in college, I had been assigned to do a paper and I interviewed my grandma for that paper. And I was amazed to find out all these things about her and her childhood that I'd never heard of before or even thought of some of the trials she had went through. And it got me thinking that how many people are we close to, friends with, um, friends, family, that we really don't know a big part of their lives. And so after going through some ups and downs in life myself, I thought, you know what, we need to share some of these stories. I've learned a lot and I'm in my 40s and these people are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, some of them. They've got to have advice and, and stories to share. So that's kind of how it got started you know, back in 2014. I think that's cool. And I remember my dad, he used to say, you should take a video recorder and go over to grandma and Vitame. Vitame was her sister. So my great aunt and go over there and have them tell you about their childhood. And I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was, I was young. And, and so they would say things here and there, but I think about it quite often. Like what, they could have told me. And then when I was reading this book and the one, I don't remember the name of it, but it was talking about how they moved here from Minnesota and 
the parents left them and they played in the river and then they came back late, you know? Okay. So they were saying what it was like to move and how it was six weeks. And it made me think about my grandma and my great aunt because they moved from Minnesota. And I thought it'd be so interesting now to hear how it actually went down. Cause you just hear they come from Minnesota and you don't really take stock in it. And what I liked about this book is that I don't want to say it was simple, but there's so, there's so many stories about simple times like the simplicity of it all from way back when, like when I was writing this down, this one lady got a brush, a comb and a mirror for Christmas. And she was so excited because she usually didn't get anything for Christmas. Yeah. Can you imagine a kid getting a brush and a comb and a mirror now? I mean, it's just things we take for granted. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I, yeah, that was definitely a common theme was that how much simpler life was back then. And they had so little but they were so happy and had so many close connections with neighbors and family. And especially with this last year, 2020, it's kind of interesting time, like you said, to read this book and kind of go back to that where people are making connections and simpler things and simpler times. So yeah, that was a common theme in a lot of the the stories people shared. So what are your thoughts? Because when I read things like this and the simplicity of it all and I always think I want simple for my kids and whatever. Do you think as a parent, you being a parent, do you think like when we read stories like this, we should just be intrigued and it's more entertaining that this is part of our history? Or do you think this is something that we should really try to incorporate into our children's lives? That's funny that you should ask that because I've spent some time this last week watching some documentaries on social media and my kids, the ages they're at are... You know, like my 16-year-old was kind of some of that first group that started getting phones and all of that. And honestly, I I wish times were simpler. And I feel like I want to take more action to make it be that way. (laughs) It probably won't be easy with my kids used to having their devices and that type of thing. But I, I really think we need to get back to that, maybe not back to, you know, mm-hmm. that far back and that simple. But I do think there's just such an importance in keeping those connections with, you know, neighbors, family, friends, and and playing outside and and getting back to that. Because I know kids now can't imagine not having those devices. And well, even as adults right. are so reliant on them. And it wasn't that long ago, we didn't have them. And we were just fine. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that's something I need to work on more in, in my family and something that I want to try to, you know, get back to that. Because mm-hmm. I say that a lot. I remember, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if you were going to meet someone at Target, hey, Sarah, meet me at Target at three o'clock. So then you go to Target and you wait there for them. But now if you're going to meet at three o'clock, you're texting them at 255. Where are you at? You know, and now at 258, you're not here yet. And it's so funny because we just cannot disconnect from the crazy ever. It it is. I totally agree with you. And it's so funny because my kids will say, mom, did you have this? Because they have no clue because this is the way they've grown up. So, you know, I'm like, no, we didn't have that. I was just learning to use a computer my first year in college. I didn't even know how to turn one on. And they're like, what? Like, they just can't believe it. But it's just... It's changed so fast and not all of it for the better. So I agree. If you and I, if this 
whole pandemic would have happened when you and I were younger. I think on one hand, it would have been harder for us because we didn't have the technology, so we wouldn't have been able to do classes online. We didn't have the technology, so we couldn't Snapchat and Facebook and text our friends, you know, so maybe we would have been apart maybe more. But maybe on the other hand, maybe it would have been nice because we didn't have all that. So maybe we would have been outside more. Maybe we would have done more stuff with our family. So granted, we'll never know, but it was actually a, a conversation I had with one of my patients today. I said, it, this pandemic 20 years ago would have been a completely different story than it is now, even mo- emotionally. A lot of people emotionally had a very hard time with this, rightfully so. Would it have been a lot worse then or would it have been okay because people wouldn't have been reading nonstop about what's going on, you know? Right. No, I agree with you. I I think it would have been simpler back then because we were used to entertaining ourselves, playing outside, making up games. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's like we've kind of had to force ourselves to go go back there because of things being canceled and not being able to do certain things, which I think has been kind of a a good little wake-up call for people, including myself. I agree. So another thing I was thinking is that... so. These days, granted, I think kids want everyone to entertain them. Uh, Maybe not all kids, but a lot of kids. And people in general, we just kind of expect to be entertained. And there's not a lot of groundbreaking stuff maybe we feel like we could do. But in one of the stories, you were talking about how, I think it was a guy writing about his grandpa, about how he decided he was going to be a potato farmer. And everyone thought he was crazy. And so he planted all these potatoes and he had a the potato, he built the potato shop or mill or whatever it was called. And that was in 1906. I think it's funny how kind of bold and brazen some of these people were because we're looking at people who are happy to get a brush and a comb and all this kind of stuff. And then you have these other people who were kind of risking it all to try to do something better for their family. So, I mean, he probably put all, all the money he had in that. Mm-hmm. And what was going to happen? He didn't know. Right. And and that's another thing is I think back then, and I actually had the opportunity to live in that part of the state. So that's Hoople, North Dakota, which is Tatertown, USA, <laughs> up in the northeast part of North Dakota. But yeah, so I know what story you're referring to. I think a lot of people back then didn't have a lot. So maybe they were more willing to take chances because... Sure. What the heck? The other thing that I that I noticed when I was trying to collect stories for about a year and a half for my book was that even though a lot of people had stories, some of them weren't so willing to share them because I think so many people had hardships back then and they didn't talk about it. I didn't know if they didn't want to try to have people feel sorry for them when so many people were in the same circumstances. But I did run into some people that I knew would have had such great stories or advice to share, but they just weren't willing to. And I think part of that is that time frame too, is where when you had troubles and hardships, you didn't really talk about them very often. So that was one thing that I ran across that I wasn't expecting when I was first trying to gather stories. But luckily I did get quite a few and my goal was to get them from all across the state, which luckily by going through the North Dakota Long-Term Care Association and getting my my book idea out there that way. And then I did a contest with schools too, to get kids writing and interviewing senior citizens in their community is how I gathered some of the stories too. But yeah, it's just such a wide variety of stories that people were willing to share. But yeah, some of them you look back and you think, and one I think you were talking about was, I mean, it really was like the Wild West back then. 
I mean, there was people yep. trying to, you know, rob you as you're moving across the state and trying to find some place to settle. And um, the one story talks about horse rustlers and how they, you know, I know one of the stories talks about they ended up having to, like, some people ended up being like lawmen because there wasn't a lawman around and just right. some, some of those interesting things. So it is, it, it's a simple book. And honestly, those are the kind of books I like. Like I like the little stories, the little short mm -hmm. stories that you can read a few and put the book down. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I was trying to do with it is make it something fun and easy to read for everybody. I think you, I think you did a really good job with it. And I was really interested in how you collected the stories. If you were meeting with people, if you were calling people, if you were just, you know, how, and now you said, you said a few ways that you got them, but were you going to people's houses and visiting with people Were the people who wanted to talk, were they pretty excited and just kind of lit up with it or no? You know, some people really were, I actually made some friendships out of it. There's some people I did go visit and meet with in person. Leonard Thompson from Southeast North Dakota, or excuse me, Southwest North Dakota by Regent. I met with him a few times. I had a lot of phone conversations with people. But a lot of the stories that were my relatives or friends, I spoke to them in person. But I would say probably two-thirds of them were gathered up through nursing homes, assisted living facilities, the school contest I did. I thought it would be easier to gather stuff up. I didn't think it would take so long. So it took a little more work than I anticipated. But I was really happy to be able to get stuff from a wide variety of people and across, you know, different areas of the state. So then walk us through how it happened. So you knew you wanted to write a book mm -hmm. and you knew specifically you wanted to write it on this topic right, right off the bat. Yeah, I, I it was in my mind to collect stories from senior citizens. And like I said, I think it ties back to kind of what you said too, as you get older and you missed out on listening to some of those stories when you're younger because mm -hmm. you didn't care at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so just getting a little more interested as I got older in genealogy of my own family and then thinking back to the interviews I did with my grandma. So yeah, I, I guess I had that topic, you know, in my head for a couple of years before I came up with the title and then actually started the project. And then how long did that project take you? It took me, um, it was about a year and a half. And initially when I started it, I thought, well, this is good timing. I don't have anything crazy going on in my life right now. My job is steady. And then shortly thereafter, my husband wanted to move and build a house. So we ended up, <laughs> I remember moving out to our new house and finishing typing stories up like on my keyboard on my lap. And <laughs> so it ended up being kind of a crazy time when I was trying to finish up my book, but it was an awesome experience. I, it, I met so many awesome people through collecting the stories and then also people sharing little stories, you know, when I was out at vendor shows and that type of thing. Um, people calling me after they got the book or people writing letters to me. Um, I hope I, it's something I can follow up on down the road. Right mm -hmm. now, I just feel like I'm too busy, but I would like to do more of something like this. And I did have people ask, are you going to do another one? Because if you do another one, I have a, you know, a story I want to share. And mm -hmm. so it was fun. It was fun for me that people were excited about it. And a lot of the senior citizens were like, oh, someone wants to hear from me. Someone wants to hear my story. And you could, you could tell that they were excited about that. So that made me feel good too. That was a... a real fun part of it. And it's interesting because we, first of all, you and I live in the same town of 1200 and we have never, 
I don't think we've ever actually met. Like I know who you are and I may, you may know who I am. You may not, but we live in a very small town. 1200, I think is small. And for your, you write the book. One of my best friends took the picture for your book. I noticed that in there. Amber took that. And then I see the local graphic designer Mm -hmm. design that. You had someone in Minnesota who published the book. You had someone proofread it who was originally from North Dakota. I loved everything about it because it was just so, it just seems so genuine and just so homegrown that I think anyone could pick that up and relate to it because you're either going to remember your grandma telling you a story like that or your parents or I don't know it was a very relatable book I thought what what do you think about the poetry because I read through all of the poetry and I was amazed because first of all I'm thinking who sits down and writes poetry and it seemed like a bunch of them did at that time but Mm -hmm. when's the last time you sat down and wrote a poem I mean if you tell me yesterday I'm gonna feel like a fool but or your (laughs) husband (laughs) you know because there are men and women here that are writing poetry this isn't just and I highly doubt it was just that they had it from an eighth grade project you know because I mean they're actually writing these things I and I I find it very interesting that that happened but that's kind of rare don't you think yeah I thought it was I thought it was really neat too because I mean and and so much talent too in storytelling and um um I think back then like they relied so much just from talking to people. Um, you know, it, it was music. It was reading. Like my grandma tells a story about her mom trading chickens for magazines just so her kids had something to read. And, you know, oh she gosh. wanted them to, you know, to be educated. And so I think back then all they really had was music, you know, reading, poetry, Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was a big part of just their en- entertainment and keeping themselves occupied. I suppose probably mostly in the winter time because mm-hmm. in some of their living conditions, um, yeah, they didn't probably have a lot of other things to do at that time. Mm-hmm. And then you could just let your creativity flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I know I have not wrote a poem until I was directed probably when I was in school and was told to write one for class. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to put that on my list of to do's. I'm going to write a poem. I haven't written one, I'm sure, since I had to in high school. Right. That's a good good to-do list. Let's challenge each other, Sarah. Let's each write a poem within, by the end of the month. All right. And let's follow up with each other on that. That gives us a week. I'm writing that down. (laughs) Yeah, we should be able to get it done in a week. But that's that's a good point. So it was entertainment. And I think about the entertainment that they had there. And this is the same story because this was a longer story. But when she said that they would have dances and they'd play piano and they'd play games. And then when they were bored, they'd read Bible verses and Mm -hmm. it, it blows my mind. And I had said to my husband, we just went to the Black Hills. And I said, you know, I'm kind of envious. I would have liked to live in these times. And he goes, really? And I said, well, look, think about how simple it was. And he said, sir, it wasn't that simple. He said, they didn't get up every day to go to work. They got up every day to work to live. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. We've had that same discussion in our household because my husband was the one that said, oh, that just seems like it'd be so much easier. I'm like, yeah, but they had to survive. Like everything they were getting up and doing every day was to survive and just to live through the winter. And like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. 
Yeah, because some of them, I, and I, again, this was a longer story, but she even said that they even had frost on their beds sometimes, and they were burning cow pies, which they called buffalo chips because they lasted longer than straw. Can you imagine going out and getting a bunch of cow pies to burn and to keep, like, not just for a bonfire, like to actually heat your home? And yeah. how big were these homes? These homes were not these, you know, no. 2,000 square foot homes that is on average today. It was like a one-room shack, probably. Exactly. Well, the story that really hit home for me, especially after having my own kids, was when my grandma told me the story. She was one of 10 kids, and she was one of the oldest, which meant working more, helping more. And she told me at 10 years old, she would go and stay with the neighbors and help cook and clean and spend the night at their house. I don't know for how many days. I don't remember the whole story, but I remember her telling me. So she was 10, 10 years old. My youngest is 12. And I can't even imagine sending her, but they had to in order for them to make ends meet. And she was one of the older kids. And I remember her saying, I was so scared at night, going to bed at night at these people's house. She goes, I remember just pulling the covers up over my head. And I'm like, I can't even imagine that. Like, it just seems so crazy. And what, how much was she working for? Or were they I trading? Don't know. I don't remember what the amount was or if they got something, yeah, if it was for, you know, food or whatever. But yeah, she was sent to work for the neighbors and had to spend the night there and cook and clean for them at 10 years old. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, because I have a nine-year-old and I cannot see him doing any of those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, but they just did what they had to do. So... So maybe here we are worried about our kids growing up too fast because of technology, but then they were growing up fast too just to live. True. True. They had, yeah, yeah, different things to be concerned about. Yep. So is there, and I mean, you don't want to pick favorites, but is there a specific story that is your favorite in the book? Oh, gosh. I have a couple of them. I, I liked some of the sing-songy poems, I guess. Mm-hmm. From from the older folks when they were telling little stories about their town or the community. One of the little short ones that I always liked was from a gal named Agnes Slater. And I actually knew her, one of her kids. But the one she shares, she said, um, I was originally from Lignite and Mrs. Brown wanted everyone to come to her sewing circle. And this poem was written about her. Come join our sewing circle that meets with Mrs. Brown and you will hear the chatter and gossip of the town. If someone's sick or married or walks about the street, you're sure to hear about it when our sewing circle meets. (laughs) That one's cute. So again, kind of, you know, the simple times, you know, they didn't have cell phones to communicate. They just got together in their groups, but that's when you heard everything that was going on. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. how different that is from now. But I have a lot of fun stories because, you know, I would say probably a quarter to a third of the people in the book I personally know or got to meet. So that made it even more fun when you kind of Mm -hmm. know them a little better. But there's a lot of them that I really like. I don't know. Did you have one that that stuck out to you more than others or not really? Well, that one that I do keep referring to how she, how they did the cow pie thing. And that the reason that one stuck out to me is because I actually had to read that a couple of times because in one part it said that her mom had to carry her. And then it said I was crippled since I was two, but here must not have been actually like physically crippled but her leg she had a leg length discrepancy what I I think what I liked about that one is that one just related to me so much because it was like my grandma you know when oh. she would talk about that 
mm-hmm. you know, coming. But and and there's a lot of adversity too. The lady had think about that. Like right now, we have a leg that's five or six inches shorter, and we're going to get prosthetics and all this kind of stuff. I mean, what the heck was going on there? And she too had to go somewhere and clean and cook and babysit and stuff like that. So right. yeah, that stuff I think is interesting. I also liked in here where you put the different prices of stuff because things have changed so much throughout sure. the years. So, yep. and the thing is, is that a person talks about like how much a stamp is, but until you see years and years of like how much things are, I found mm-hmm. that interesting. And thinking about like the cost of bread and all that kind of stuff. Again, this is just all stuff that we just take for granted. And this is just nothing that was ever taken for granted. Right, right. Yeah, there was such an appreciation for the little amount of things that they had. The gratitude. And here's another thing. So many of them talked about, like, it'll be different stuff about, like, grandpa taught me or my uncle taught me or my parents taught me to work hard, be positive, keep going through it all. And it then it now it makes me wonder what kids are going to say in 50 years. Like, what is their advice going to be? Like, are they going to say the same thing having experienced this or it's it's not even the same context I know because you have people who literally had to work to live and now we're pretty cushy but it makes me wonder like what are people what are we gonna say like what are you and I gonna say in 40 years you know what's gonna be our take home for our grandkids and such Mm-hmm. No, that's true. I And that's kind of um, as much as my kids don't like what's going on now. I'm like, well, you're, I mean, anytime you're living history, of course, but now you really are because mm-hmm. people are going to want to know what it was like during that time. And when you get down the road, people are going to ask questions about what was it like during the pandemic or, you know, just like we ask questions about people that had lived through past wars or other hardships. And um, so, yeah, that, that's really a a neat question to ponder because you know, it's definitely going to be brought up and talked about in the future. Absolutely. So this Mm -hmm. one part I was looking for, okay. So this was more this ladies thing. I was thinking, okay, I was mistaken on how I described it. So this would be, this would be actually pretty easy for someone to do. So she just, takes several years like and says throughout the years and so she's talking about her wedding bells and th- that's where she's talking about the cost mm-hmm. of a stamp and stuff but it's really interesting to to read that but then at the same time that is sad because it's ta- it's such a short I mean it's a you know it's two and a half pages but it's such mm-hmm. a short thing that sums up her whole life but mm-hmm. those were the highlights so I guess we all could do that with any age of our life. But I did like when she put like the simple stuff, like the cost of gas. And I, I just, I really like how you, a person can break that down. But. Right. And I think part of this too was that particular story was the students, Mohal Lansford Sherwood. They went out and interviewed seniors at the nursing home in their area. And so that was one of the ones where they interviewed someone that they they probably didn't know at the time, which I thought was so neat that they took the time to, you know, gather those stories from people. That's the other part of it that I like is it in certain areas, it got these young people out talking to these people and hearing these stories firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder, you know, did it have an impact on those kids? Were they shocked to hear those stories? Like I was when my grandma told me hers. 
So I like to think about that side of it too, is hopefully it enlightens some of those younger people um, that took the time to do this. So, And if it didn't enlighten them now, I think at some point they're going to look back and and they will be enlightened by it. Because like you and I said, when you're younger, you don't really grasp the importance of all of it. Right. Are you, are you a, so to write a book, are, is this what you do? Are you a writer? Are you a journalist? Or is this a hobby? No, it was just, just a hobby, something I wanted to do, you know, other than classes in high school, creative writing, English papers, I really hadn't done any writing. And quite honestly, when I was younger, I hated reading. I was always good at reading, but I was, I'm a very slow reader and my mind wanders and I have to reread things. <laughs> so that's why I like this style of a book easy reading that's easy for me to read a few things and put it down. So yeah, I, I have really no background in it. But I did have a gal that helped me, Renee Rungan, who is a public speaker, and I think she's self-published three books now. She is a cousin to a good friend of mine. And so she kind of helped walk me through the self-publishing process. If I would not have had her help, I don't know that I could have, you know, went about it the right way or been as successful. And that's why I've had a few people call me locally too and say, hey, I've been thinking about this idea for a book. Can you kind of walk me through the process? So I have a, a few people that have actually published books that I've kind of helped them along, cool. just like Renee helped me. But I, I just think it's so cool because nowadays it is easy for just us regular old people to do a book which is mm -hmm. so neat. I have got a huge stack of other books from North Dakota people that I've met along the way from doing vendor shows or being invited to libraries and that type of thing. So anytime I, I hear of a new North Dakota-based book or North Dakota author, I like to share that on my page and, and share it on Facebook and get the word out because we do have a lot of people with great ideas and some really good books. So it's fun for me to share them and try to support other North Dakota people that are trying to do the same type of thing. So are you working on your next book now? No, I'm not. I've, as ideas come to me, I do, I have a little journal that I write things down in. Mm -hmm. So I do have some ideas of things I would like to do down the road but I've got my two girls working full time. So I'm hoping this is something I can do, you know, when, well, I don't know if life ever really slows down, but right. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping it's something I can get back into because it was really a fun process. And like I said, I met a lot of great people by doing it. So hopefully I can do more down the road. And are you from... I'm pretty sure you're not. I'm originally from Velva, but where are you originally from? So I'm originally from Minot. Oh, okay. and my family farms uh, south of Minot. Oh. So that's why I, I did my self-publishing business. is called South Prairie Press. And my dad, who's a big history buff and loves North Dakota history and family history, he was kind of my big supporter going through this project and, and helping me out if I needed help. So yeah, it, it was great. I, I had a lot of support from family and friends. And like I said, it was, I, I'm, I'm so happy I did it. And the people that have called me with their ideas and wondering if they should do it or not, I've told them, I said, okay, here's my question. If, are you going to regret it down the road if you don't do it? Okay. And usually they say yes. And I said, then do it. Because they said, well, I have people saying I shouldn't or my family says it's a waste of time. And I'm like, it's not up to them. It's you. It's, it's you and it's your idea and your project. So it's Did fun to see. Did you get any see. backlash with that? With any of your family or friends? Did anyone say anything like that to you? 
No, you know, I, w- I was a little concerned. I did, you know, I set up my LLC for my self-publishing company through an attorney. You know, I had everyone that submitted stories had to sign off on a, I don't want to say waiver, but, you know, mm-hmm. giving me permission to use the story and that I would, you know, keep it in its original format unless there was grammatical errors or that type of thing. So I I didn't anticipate any issues because most people were willing to share stories and I didn't have any negative feedback from any other family members that were upset about, you know, something being shared. Um, Most people were excited about it that their family member had shared some of those stories Because a lot of them, surprisingly, like you said, people knowing poems and that type of thing, a lot of people did have those things written down and kept somewhere. So it was mostly people being happy that their family members shared a little story or a little part of of them. Good. I think that's good. And I've gotten a little backlash. I've had a couple negative comments on doing the podcast. And it, and I don't care, but I always find it interesting when people have negative feedback. And I'm all for constructive criticism, you know, because mm-hmm. that's how we grow, right? But mm-hmm. negative things are always funny. So I'm really glad that you had a a positive experience with that. Well, and people are asking you when you're going to do the next one. So that's that's a, that's a very positive thing. Yeah, it was. And I, I mean, I learned some things. There's some things, you know, if I could go back in time, I would do things a little different. I would take probably a little more time to get things just right instead of trying to get it done in the fall for vendor shows and that type of thing. I had a little issue with my first printer and ended up having to switch printers. So I had a few little learning lessons like you always do when you try something new. But I can't say, yeah, it was overall a very positive experience. And then to see other people, friends of mine, acquaintances of mine to um, go through and write their book and then get to see their finished product. You know, people that I kind of helped get through the process too. Um, that was super fun too, is to, to see them reach their goals and, and actually come out with their, with their book. So that's fun to see too. I love it. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about you or words of wisdom from the wise old owls of North Dakota? You know, I, I guess just the one thing I would like to remind people of is that every single life has a story. And just to take the time to sit and listen to somebody and hear their story, if they're willing to feel comfortable enough to share their story with you, is such a blessing. And it's such a learning experience. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's amazing if you take the time to sit and listen and visit with someone what you learn about them. And sometimes you might just be shocked. I know I've had people that I've shared my story with and they say, I didn't know you dealt with that. You seem like you always have stuff together. Like I would have never guessed that you dealt with that. And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of people are dealing with things that nobody knows about. Right. So just taking that time to get to know people, I think is just, it really is a gift. I love it. Well, I encourage people to pick up words of wisdom from the wise old owls of North Dakota. And I have to read that, like look at it when I read it, because I I kind of feel like it's a tongue twister and I like it. (laughs) And it has, yep. I mean, it's super cute. In, in, I mean, really, it is a cute book on the outside. It is a good book on the inside. I'm glad you wrote it. I'm glad you and I are doing a poem challenge. I just think this is a positive experience all the way around. It is. And thank you so much for contacting me because like I said, I really haven't been real active with my book the last year or two. And so for you to reach out to me, it just you know, got me thinking about it again. And it was really fun to think back on it and go through it again. So 
my goal in life is to encourage people to do better, be better and live better. And I think by writing this, you also encourage people uh, daily too. So thank you for writing the book and for all you do and have a wonderful evening. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.